Well, this morning we are wrapping up our series, Hope in the Dark, as we come to the end of Habakkuk. And, and really, here is the good news. This morning we are not in chapter 1, uh, we are not in chapter 2, but we are in chapter 3. And if you're just joining us for the first time this week, you maybe don't know why this is good news, but if you remember, chapter 1 and chapter 2, they both left us hanging. They didn't really resolve They weren't sitcom sermons where everything got tied in a nice little bow at the end. So I hope that you are here expecting something great from the Lord this morning. Let's talk a little bit about Habakkuk, just really quickly. If you've missed the last couple of weeks, uh, a little bit of backstory here. Habakkuk is a, a minor prophet in the Old Testament. He wrote about 600 years before Jesus, so 600 years BC. And he was, he was different in the way he served as a prophet. See, usually most prophets would speak to the people on behalf of God. God would give them a message and and they would speak to the people on God's behalf. But Habakkuk was different. What he did was, was he looked around at the people and he heard from the people and he went and he spoke to God on behalf of the people. Kind of the flip side of that. But what he said to God, and what he said to God was, was raw. It was real. It was emotional. We've said that this little book is a lament. It's a pouring out and crying out of emotion. And basically what he said to God was, listen, I don't like what you're doing. I wish you were doing something else. You don't seem fair. I, I know that you're just, but this does not seem just. And so in chapter 1 of Habakkuk, it, it's all about what many of us do. He, he finds himself wondering why things are the way they are. Why the world that he sees around him doesn't seem to line up with what he knows to be true about the character of God and who God is. He finds himself wondering, God, you don't seem to be fair or just or righteous in this moment. What's going on here? In chapter 2, he continues. He, He comes out of this wondering and he moves into a waiting stage where it's now, God, where are you? And then, then God speaks He says to Habakkuk, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something amazing. In chapter 1, he says this. I'm going to do something that's so amazing you wouldn't even believe it. And if if I'm Habakkuk and I finally hear in the midst of my warning that God's going to do something, I think, yes, he's going to come through. My prayers are going to be answered. But God says, hold up. Actually, I'm going to raise up your enemies. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. And and your land, the the land of Judah, has been corrupted. You guys are going your own way. And and I've warned you, if you go your own way, there's going to be judgment. And so you are going to be judged by the Babylonians. And I'm sure in this moment, Habakkuk was thinking, listen, I was confused at first, God, but now I have no idea what to think about this. And so in chapter 2, he's waiting. He's waiting on that promise to come. Some of you this morning are in that waiting zone. God, I've been, I've been asking this for a while. I've been asking this for a long time, maybe. Where are you in this? When are you going to hear my prayers? Where are you going to answer? When are you going to step in? But remember, chapter 2, verse 3, God says, listen, though it linger, though my answer linger, though the, what I said would happen lingers, wait for it. If it seems slow to be coming, wait for it. That's, that's hard. We talked about that last week, that it is, it is hard to wait so often. But remember, we said, listen, when it's not God's time, you can't force it. And we actually talked about that a fair bit in our study through the book of Ruth just before this one. So you can head over to our website and find those past sermons as well. When it's, when it's not God's time, you just can't force it. But when it is God's time, you can't stop it. And so chapter two is all about the waiting. But now as we get into the third chapter, into the closing chapter, there seems to be a change in tone here. 
Again, as we read chapter 1 and 2, all the way up to the very last verse of chapter 2, they see this, this angst and uncertainty, this, this agony, this, this disappointment, this wondering happening. God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? And again, I know that, that some of us are feeling that way right now. God, why aren't you stepping into this thing? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you helping? Why don't you seem good right now? But then at the end of chapter 2, the very last verse, Habakkuk says this. He says, I'm, I'm confused, I'm wandering, I'm doubting. But then he says, but the Lord. Now, now, I love how this phrase shows up here in this book, but also so many other places in the Bible. Something similar, but the Lord. This is what's happening, but the Lord. This is who I was, but God did this and made me new. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible, but the Lord, but God. Habakkuk says, but, but the Lord, he's still in his temple. God is still on his throne. In light of all this wondering, in light of all this waiting, God, I know you're still in your temple. I know you're still on your throne. And then he says, let all the earth be silent before him. That is to say, listen, everyone else just pipe down. God's the one in control. God is in control. He is ruling, even when maybe we don't see it. But he's over this. So everyone else, just let's stop. It's like that psalm we opened the service with, where we have to sometimes just be still and know that God is God. We can ask, we can cry out, we can complain, we can lament, we can do all these things, but at the end of the day, we have to be still and know that God is God. Say, God, listen, I'm hurting, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on, I'm wondering, but you are in your temple. You are on your throne. And so we get to chapter three and it's, it's something of a reset, it seems. As you open up there, I invite you to turn there either in a Bible in front of you or, or online or wherever, find your Bible. And verse one might be a verse that you just sort of skim through, like it's an introduction to one of the Psalms. But there is a word in verse one that I want to bring to your attention. Chapter three, verse one says that this is a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shigenoth. Now, what on earth does that word Shigenoth mean? It's a Hebrew word. Let me explain it. Shigenoth is the plural of the word Shigon. Okay, we can probably move on now, right? Now that you've got that. Actually, seriously, Shigon is, is, is a word that's only used one time in all the Old Testament, one time in the Bible, and it's at the beginning of Psalm chapter 7. And this word Shigonoth is only used one time as well, and that's right here in Habakkuk 3 verse 1. And so because these words are used so infrequently in the Bible, we can look to extra texts to try and, and grab what they might mean, other Hebrew texts, but we don't know a whole lot about them. But what we do know, so we can't be totally sure of what they mean, but what we do know for sure is that these are directions on how to, to sing a song or sing a psalm. This is a musical term. It would instruct the congregation how you're to sing this. It's like a, describing the mood or the tempo or, or the level of excitement that is to come. It's, it's teaching on how to approach the words that follow. Shiganoth. Let me explain to you what this means. It means to sing with, with strong emotion. It means to sing with impassioned exuberance. It means wild, passionate singing with, with rapid changes in rhythm. It means a, a high-spirited praise. It's, it's vigorous enthusiasm. One writer said that, that this kind of a song, this kind of song is not a, a whiny cry-in-your-beer kind of ballad. So if you're in the mood to, to just sit down with some country music and put your hat on, this is not Shiganoth. 
Another said that Shiganoth is praise punctuated with exclamation marks. I like that. It's, it's praise and it's praise that's punctuated with explanation, exclamation marks. And so what we need to understand about Habakkuk here in chapter 3 is this is how he's writing. This is how he's singing, how he's praising through chapter 3. He is doing this, this full body, all in exuberant kind of worship of God before God did what he asked, before God did what he wanted to do. Did you notice that? Sometimes the most passionate or authentic praise that, that we can offer up is actually praise before God answers, praise before provision. It's a praise that, that's simply based on our faith, our knowledge of who God is. It's praising God not for the what, not because he came through, because he did this thing, but it's praising God for the who, the who he is. It's not for what you've done. It's not for what I think you're going to do, God, but this praise is just for who you are. It's for your character. It's for your nature. It's for your goodness. It's for your glory. It's praise for the who, not praise for the what. It's Shiganoth. Praise before anything happens. In verse 2, we see Habakkuk say this of God. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, he says, listen, I know you're going to come and judge and, and we deserve it, but in your wrath, remember mercy. He says, God, do it again. I know what you've done. I, I stand in awe of all that you can do and all that you will do. And I ask you to do it again in our day. I know, God, that you're coming to judge, but remember your mercy. God, do it again. God, I've seen you do it before. And, and even before you do it again, I'm going to praise you, God. I'm going to believe that you're going to do it again. Following the service, uh, this is a song that Arnie is going to sing for us called simply, Do It Again. I love how it says, listen, God, I, I've seen you move. I've seen you move mountains. I've seen you do mighty things. And I believe that, that I will see you do it again. You've, you've made a way where there's no way. And God, I believe that you're going to do it again. This is casting hope in God before he comes through. And Arnie, thank you for leading us in that, following the message. Saying, God, I, I have seen your work. I know what you can do. And I'm asking you, I'm, I'm praying that you would do it again. I'm, I'm praising you, God, not for what is going on now, but just for who you are, God. Shiganoth. So what do you do when life gets difficult? If you remember in week one, I put a little graph in the corner of the screen and we had this, this discussion about how we talked about, you know, somehow you, you get to know God, you, you, you experience these mountaintop experiences where it seems like God is right there next to you, you're walking side by side, he can hear you, you can hear him, all your prayers are answered, just this, this great mountaintop experience. But then something bad happens. Maybe you, you lose your job or, or you get some bad news or, or you pray for something but you don't get what you prayed for. You find yourself wanting something and you know God could come through and do what you're asking and he doesn't give it to you. And then as we start to come down and sort of maybe even crash down from that mountaintop experience, we, we come to what Henry Blackaby calls a, a crisis of belief where we're saying, God, listen, I, I thought we were going to do this together, but now I'm finding myself in a different place. What's, what's going on? And lots of people, when they, when they hit that crisis of belief, they, they think, okay, well, I'm just going to pretend like this isn't happening. I'm just going to deny the crisis. I'm going to go back and pretend I'm still in that state of bliss with God. 
And other people say, listen, God, if you can't come through, if, 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 if I don't just get to float through life without crises, then forget it. I'm out. I'm walking away. So the question that we all need to ask ourselves through this book, and, and really all the time, is, is what are you going to do? And what do you do when life gets difficult, when, when, when what you see with your eyes is different than what you believe in your heart and you find yourself in the valley? What do you do when you're crying out to God and, and believing that he will hear your prayer, that, that he will move in a way that brings relief or, or brings blessing or brings provision, yet he doesn't? What are you going to do in these situations? Let's talk about two things. The first is this, that we are going to remember and embrace the goodness and the faithfulness of God. We're going to remember when life gets difficult. In verse 3, Habakkuk says this, God came from Taman, the Holy One from the Mount of Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Now often, I don't know about you, but sometimes when, when I'm reading, maybe especially in the Old Testament, when I'm a little bit less familiar with the geography, and I read through some of these verses, I just sort of gloss over them and glance at them and, and carry on. But, but these are really important places. They may mean nothing to us, but, but for Habakkuk, they were super meaningful because these two places were places where God took his people when he was delivering them from slavery in Egypt. He's saying, God, I remember when it didn't seem like there was any way that we were going to get out of Egypt. I remember when it seemed like we were going to be slaves forever and you did something unbelievable. You moved in the heart of Pharaoh. You, you split open the Red Sea. You caused us to walk across on dry land and then you, you closed the sea on our enemies as they pursued us. I remember, God, you were faithful. I, I think back on your goodness. I know that you can do it and I'm asking you to do it again. He carries on in verse 5 through 6. He says, his, his splendor, God's splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. And he stood and shook the earth. And he looked and made the nations tremble. Habakkuk is saying, God, I remember your faithfulness. I remember your goodness. I remember your justice. I remember your presence. I remember, God, that, that you were glorified in all these things when you did them. And if we read forward in this letter, if we read forward through verses 7 through 15, we continue to see this is what Habakkuk is doing. He's saying, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. He's, he's looking back at God's justice and God's faithfulness. See, in this moment, this is what Habakkuk could do. He could sit down and he could have remembered some of the other things that, that people remembered of God. He could have gathered the people and said, hey, remember who God is? Remember what he's done? Remember some of those things? And maybe he did. When we wrap up at Trinity, just a, sorry, a bit of a side note here. When we conclude a calendar year here at Trinity, we deliberately stop and take time to remember what God did in the last year so that we don't forget. This is a great lesson from chapter 2 last week even where we said, how do we deal with these things? We listen to God and we, we write it down so that we can remember. Maybe Habakkuk did gather some people as he was kind of composing his thoughts and pulling these things together. And he said, they could have said, listen, God, I remember when you provided for your people manna from heaven. I remember when you, you sent quail to fill the camp and you, you saved your people. I remember water from a rock. I remember all these things. He could have said, I remember the story of Ruth and Boaz that we at Trinity studied just a couple of weeks ago and, and how you were at work even when we don't see it. I remember how you can be doing so many things, how you can do so many things. See, sometimes when we hit the valley, 
what we have to do is simply stop, be still, and remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God and, and all the ways he's shown that in the past. Again, I, I can't say it enough. That this is where journaling or having someone with a better memory than you in your life comes into play. So you can go back and look when you're in the valley because valleys come, crises come, that you can go back and say, okay, at this point, this is how God carried me through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, God. Sometimes you just have to go back and remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. So what will you do when you're in the valley? You remember the goodness of God. The second thing that we want to do is, is something actually that we don't do. And what we, what we don't want to do when we're in the valley is simply just endure while we're in the valley. See, what, what is enduring? Enduring is, is kind of a, a passive response to something happening to you. But we don't want to endure. And I, I know this may be hard for some of you. It's hard for me. There's so often, especially over the last couple of months, couple, three months, where it just seems like, okay, God, I just need to get through this. I just need to get to the end of this day uh, and lay down and, and, and have a nap. I just need to get through this week. God, I just need to get to the weekend. Just help me to endure to the weekend. And sometimes that's, maybe that's all that we can cry out for. But what we don't want to do is just simply endure through the crises. Instead, we want to go through the valley. We want to embrace what God is doing. We want to embrace and believe that God is still good. We embrace what he's doing through the valley. If you think about Habakkuk in this situation, he felt like, like the enemy, the Babylonians, were winning. And, and they were. This was a, a, a rebel, a, a, a pagan nation that was growing in power that would conquer Judah in just a few years after he wrote this. He looked out and he said, listen, this is bad. This is going to get worse for us. And yet he still embraced the situation and then everything in him declared, but the Lord is still on his throne. My God has always been good. My God has always been faithful. And what I love about this is, is this is not just some sort of state of, of denial. This isn't just, well, just pretend it's not good and hang on to the good things or pretend it's not bad. It's, it's, this isn't looking at bad news in the face and just, uh, I, I don't believe that you're there. But instead, this is staring crisis. This is staring the valley in the face and say, listen, in light of all this, I will still declare that my God is good that I trust him with everything in me and I will embrace his goodness and his faithfulness. Watch these next few verses as Habakkuk does this. We, we talk about the, the power here in chapter three. Chapter one was the wondering, remember? Chapter two is waiting. But now in chapter three, skip down to verse 16 and watch as Habakkuk embraces and he says this to God. He says, I hear what you've said and my body trembles. And this is, not a, this is not a good tremble. This is a, I'm terrified of what's to come. He says, my, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness actually enters into my bones and my legs tremble beneath me. Listen, God, you've just told me that you're gonna raise up my enemies. They're gonna destroy the people that I love. He continues and he says, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invaded us. See, God didn't promise that they would be gone forever. God didn't say, listen, I'm, I'm throwing justice out the window and, and now Babylon are my people. He said, no, Babylon is going to be judged for them for what they've done as well. And that's exactly what's going on here. That's what he said. I, I, will, I will wait for your justice to expand. 
He goes on, he says, it's bad, it's going to get worse, it's going to be brutal for us, there's going to be suffering. And he continues in verse 17 and says this, though the fig tree should not blossom nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the, and the field bear no fruit, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. He's saying, listen, this is going to be a disaster. I recognize that this is going to be terrible. He might say it this way, that, that, listen, I'm still praying even though I'm not seeing an answer. I'm still believing and we can conceive, but I'm not seeing what's conceived. I'm asking God for that job, I'm asking God for that provision, I'm asking God for that blessing, but I still don't see what's going on here. Even though we're, we're losing everything that's valuable to us, we still don't understand. But then he says this in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I will take joy in the God who saves me. Now, he may have dozens of reasons why he does not want to rejoice in this moment. He may have dozens of reasons why he would say, God, this is, this is a disaster. I want nothing to do with you anymore. But remember, this is not a half-hearted, going-through-the-motions kind of psalm, kind of prayer. This is Shiganoth. This is everything within me declaring the praise and the goodness and the glory of God. Even though he doesn't like what he sees, Habakkuk keeps on wrestling and embracing through it. Again, this kind of declaration, it actually can't be half-hearted. You don't see this coming and just sort of go through the motions and just let what happens, happens to you. This kind of uh, this worship, what he's doing here, this praise comes right from the depths of your heart. And this is a, a trust, a hope, and a faith in, in, in that, that worships even when everything is not right. This kind of praise worships God even when you don't like what you see. It's a cry right from the bottom of your heart, believing in the goodness of God in the middle of pain. This is chapter 3. Shiganoth. Praise before provision. Praise with exclamation marks. This is, this is praise not for the what, what God is going to do, but this is praise for who, for who God is. This is praise that wrestles and embraces. I mentioned that, that as we wrap up the message, Arnie's going to lead us in a song, Do It Again, as we, as we do call on God to, to do things he's done before again. We, we call on him to, to make his name great in the valley. We, we call on his name. We ask him to, to bring revival to our town, to our province. He's also going to lead us in a song called Waymaker, which again describes who God is. This is a worship song for the who, where we say, God, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. See, in chapter one, we don't quit on God in the wondering. In chapter two, we don't walk away from God in the waiting. And here in chapter three, we, we see Habakkuk, and he doesn't just resolve to make the best of a bad situation, just enduring what's coming. But it goes so much deeper than that. What he does is he looks, looks the truth in the face and says, listen, this isn't good. And it's going to get worse. There's no grapes coming. There's no blossoms coming. There's no harvest coming. There's only judgment coming to us. But remember, that last verse in chapter 2, he says, the Lord is still on his throne. He's still worthy of praise. And here's what we need to see from this book as we wrap it up. God actually never does what Habakkuk asks him to do. We don't actually get that, the, the neat, tied-in-a-bow ending that he's asking for. But 
Look at this. Look at the last verse in the book here in chapter 3. He says, but God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes me, makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. What does God do here? He, he helps me to tread on the heights. He takes me to a new place with him. He leads me through this. He leads me to a place of greater faith with him. Remember, something we said a couple of weeks ago back in chapter one was we may enjoy God in those mountaintop times, but we really get to know him in the valleys. And we can and we should praise him for what he has done, of course, but when we're in the valley, that's when we can learn to simply praise him for who he is. We can brag about God on the mountaintops, but it's in the valley that we build that real, deep, true, meaningful, intimate relationship. And see, when we come at the valley with that kind of perspective, when we, when we recognize that life has crises in it, and we're going to go through, and if we're not on one right now, there's one coming. When we come into the, with that perspective that these valleys are going to help me build my relationship with God, then we can start to gain the perspective that James had when he wrote in James 1, 2, where he says, count it joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various types. That's one of the reasons we're heading into James next week is this verse. Can you, can you say that? You know what, it, it brings me joy when I hit hardship. That's a hard thing to say. Can you say it? It brings me joy when I don't understand what God's doing, when I face trials. But look at why the joy is there. James continues in verses three and four. For you know that a testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. It, it, it steals it up. It, it firms it up. He says, and let that steadfastness, that, that firming up, that endurance have its full effect so that you may be perfect or, or mature and complete, lacking nothing. See, we, we actually need to go through the valley so that we can grow. Maybe you're watching this this morning and this is the encouragement that you need. That Listen, it is time to praise God even when you don't feel it, when you're in the valley. It's time to praise God, not for what you see or what you don't see, but to praise God for who he is. It's time to, to step into that Shiganoth kind of praise from everything that's inside of you, everything you can muster up. It doesn't have to be everything, everything, but, but everything you can pull together. Now, we've said it a few times over these couple weeks, but, but you can't have chapter three. We can't come to this place where, where we, we just praise God for who he is without going through chapter one and chapter two. You can't have chapter three, intimacy, without chapter one, wondering, and chapter two, waiting. See, there's something that God does. It's something that God does through the valley where he, he builds trust and, and faith and passion, and it only happens when we go through the valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. So we remember the goodness of God. We embrace him. We wrestle with doubts. You may not understand, but don't let go. Let me pray. God, I ask that you would do what only you can do. I ask that you would take us to chapter three. Help us to embrace you no matter what. Listen, if you're watching or listening or praying today and you're in that wondering stage or you're in that waiting zone, I would be honored to pray with you and for you. You can hit that live prayer button on our church online page and get connected, or you can use a form at trinitycanmore.com slash prayer and connect with, with me and us there. But I would, I'd love and I'd be honored to pray with you right now if you're in that wondering or waiting stage. Let me pray.
God, I, I pray that, that we might be able to lift our hands to you when we are waiting, that we'd be able to praise you even when we are hurting. God, give us the faith to praise you even when we don't see your provision. Help us to praise you for who you are, God. I pray, God, that you would, you would give us the permission and that you would free us to wrestle, to push back, to cry out, to lament like Habakkuk does here, to acknowledge our doubts. But in the midst of that, God, help us to never let go because you never let go of us and you will never leave us or forsake us. Maybe you're watching or listening now and you, you don't realize that, or you do realize that you don't have the kind of relationship that you want to have with God that you don't have the, the intimacy or confidence or strength or assurance even in that relationship. But listen, you're not hearing this message by accident this morning. You're, you are here because God cares for you. Maybe you've been waiting for something for a long time, but, but maybe God's been waiting for you for a long time. Maybe he's waiting for you, waiting for you to say yes to his grace and his goodness and his gift of eternal life through Jesus. And listen, you don't have to have all the answers figured out to say that yes, to accept that gift. Let me remind us that Jesus is the son of God, perfect in every way, who, who walked this earth just like we did. He was obedient to God's call to him and he went to the cross. He, he died on the cross taking our sins on him and taking our place as the, the perfect once for all sacrifice and he rose again from the dead three days later, conquering our three greatest enemies in Satan, sin, and death. And why did he do that? He did that so that anyone who calls on his name, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus would be saved, would be forgiven, would be transformed. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how dark your life feels right now. You can call on Jesus and he hears your prayers. He forgives you sin and he will make you new and better than new. Maybe, maybe this is your time. Or maybe this is God's time for you to say yes to him. And when it's God's time, you can't force it. And when it's God's time, you can't stop it. Maybe today's the day that you need to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I, I turn from going my own way, from trying to figure this whole life out myself. I, I turn from the ways that I've rebelled against you, from my sin, and I turn toward Jesus and I give my faith and I give my life to him. If that's you and you're watching on our church online page, that's the live at Trinity, live.trinitycanmore.com. You can hit that little raise hand button and we would love to celebrate and connect with you. If you're watching later on or if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube right now, you can head to our website, trinitycanmore.com slash commit so we can celebrate and connect with you as well. And let's all pray together for those who are raising their hands all over the place right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Change me and make me new. Jesus, be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you and I can follow you so that I can make you known. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.